Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Would you mind just bowing your heads and praying with me concerning the word today? Father, we are grateful for your word. We, have, oh, we are grateful that it has heart-impacting power in it, that it has life-changing power in it. We are grateful that you have kept your word over all these years so we can live and thrive in the benefits written in it. Father, that we know how to conduct our life, to live our life, to be in life, because of your holy word. Now, Father, we take it to ourselves that this is personally written to us, that it's not just history, but it is a personal word, life arranging for us. We hear it as words personally written from your heart to us, as if a letter was written in the mail for us that it is prescribed for us, and we give you the praise and thanksgiving that nothing interferes, distracts, or disturbs in light of your word. And we thank you for it, that all of hell is bound and heaven is loosed in this house today. And we give you the praise and the thanksgiving for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, this year was declared to be the year of the overcomer. And um, so my question is, what is it you've got to overcome? No focus means no success. So what is it you need to overcome? What is it that's set before you? Is it a physical thing? Is it a mental thing? Is it an emotional thing? Is it a relationship thing? Is it a past thing? Is it a current thing? What is it that you have to overcome? Because if you don't determine what it is that you have to overcome, you'll never know if you overcame it. You'll never know if you overcame it. So you have to decide, what am I overcoming? What am I what am I diligent about overcoming this year? Because the grace of God is on Word of Victory Church to overcome this year, and that's where I'm at. So then that grace that's on the house that the pastor got the vision for is on me to overcome. So what is it I want to take the anointing of overcoming on and channel it to that thing that I'm going to overcome? Hallelujah. We all have something we have to overcome. So let's go to 1 John 5-4, the passage of scripture that we've gone over mm, as many Sundays as there has been this year. 1 John 5-4 says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Now, just for reference, I want you to understand that world is not talking about just uh, other peoples. It's talking about systems. It's talking about Systems that are in operation apart from God. And he says, I've called you, if you're born of God, to overcome any system that's contrary to God. Hallelujah. But it says this is the victory. This is the way you're going to do it. This is the way you're going to overcome all these systems. You're going to overcome anything contrary to God is by your faith. Not his faith, your faith. Your faith 
your dependence, your reliance on God. So whether it's depression, you're going to overcome it by faith. Whether it's weariness, you're going to overcome it by faith. Whether it's crazy in-laws, you're going to overcome it by faith. All right? You're going to overcome by faith. Hallelujah. And that is the way we're going to do it. Now, I just want to look over at Hebrews 11, verse 6, if we can. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible to please God without faith. And faith is what overcomes. So if you put these things together, you see that God has great pleasure when you overcome. It pleases God when you overcome. Hallelujah. It doesn't change. If you're not overcoming, he still loves you. But there's a pleasure that rises up within him when you overcome. Hallelujah. God always wants you to see, succeed. And everything he directs us, leads us, guides us in our life is for our success. Hallelujah. Now, um, faith, our faith has many facets. Every element of God is multifaceted. God himself is multifaceted. God is a God of love. But God is also a just judge. You understand what I'm saying? So there's multi, multiple facets of God. And every element that comes from God then is also multifaceted. Okay? The love of God is gentle and caring. But the love of God also warns and corrects. All right? Just like the faith of God is also multifaceted. This overcoming faith has multiple facets within us. For instance, there's a faith that has to be in your mouth. You've got to control what you say out your mouth. There's a faith that's in the heart, with the heart one believes. There's a faith that requires consistency. You don't have faith today and tomorrow you quit. And today, and the next day you have faith and then you quit. Faith is consistent. We're talking about the type of overcoming faith that's in the word of God, that it has multiple elements to it, and they all these elements work together to produce overcoming faith. You're not going to have faith to overcome the world if you just watch the words of your mouth but never put anything in your heart concerning your victory. All right? It's all these elements working together. And so today, I want to talk about one of the elements of faith that's required for overcoming faith because all of these assembled together make a faith that can overcome. Hallelujah. So with that said, let's go over to James chapter 2. Hallelujah. Thank you for the anointing of God, Father, that we can hear what your personal love letter says to us today. James chapter 2, beginning of verse 14, it says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Hallelujah. And, you know, if I said to you, can your faith save you? And we weren't looking at this passage of scripture and I wasn't sharing this message with you today. 
And I just said, can your faith save you? Most of us would probably say, uh-huh. But in this text, it's saying, uh-uh. All right? So let's go on and see what he's talking about. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's dead. What does something that's dead do? Not a trick question. <laughs> what can something dead do? Nothing. It's inoperable. It's non-productive. It can't bear any fruit. Something that's dead does nothing. So he's saying here, you can have a faith that does nothing. You can have a faith that does nothing. You can have a faith that is non-productive, unfruitful, inoperative, not, not doing anything for you. Hallelujah. Dead. D-E-D, -E -D, dead. I do know how to spell it, really, but dead faith. He said, you can have a faith that doesn't get you anything, a faith that can't bring you anything, a faith that can't accomplish anything, a faith that doesn't avail against anything. You can have a dead faith. Now, in our head, we might think, well, a dead faith is no faith, but that's not what it says here. It says there's a faith that isn't producing anything. And we're going to deal with this today. I, I want to be nice. Lord, help me be nice. Hallelujah. It's so hard sometimes to be nice, but preach under the spirit that wants to convict. I, I don't know how to say it any other way. All right? So if you get convicted... No, it's not me that's doing it. It's the Spirit of God doing it, okay? And I had nothing to do with it. Just said what he told me to say, all right? Praise the Lord. Don't get up and walk out. Don't be scared. Hallelujah. Huh? Just smile and wave. Just smile and wave. Praise the Lord. Probably something that's got to be edited. All right. Praise the Lord. So faith by itself, if it does not have works, was dead. But, well, just think of it, the person that's destitute, and you say, oh, God will help you, and you send them on their way destitute, what change did it produce? Nothing, okay? So then he goes on to say, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So what happens here is we can see that your works validate or prove your faith. Your, your works validate that you do have faith in God. Hallelujah. It says you believe that there is one God, you do well. You believe in God, that's great. But the problem is even the demons believe and tremble. 
Hallelujah. Even the demons believe there is a God. Even the demons believe there is one God. Even the demons believe that God can do all kinds of things. Even the demons believe that God is able. The demons believe God is willing. The demons believe all, this all these great things about God. Hallelujah. And we do well to believe all that is about God. But there has to be in us something different happening. There has to be an operation of our faith to change our life and another life. Because faith that doesn't change anything is not a faith worth having. Hallelujah. And, okay, let's continue. But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Some translations even put that word as faith without works, or it might be a cross-reference that says, is useless. Faith without works is useless. And the word useless is defined as having no use, producing no good end, not advancing the end proposed, and answering no valuable purpose. Faith, if it doesn't have some corresponding action with it, has no valuable purpose. It can produce no end as desired. But then he goes on to say, uh, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Now, if God told Abraham, offer Isaac on the altar, and Abraham went around and said, God's told me to offer Isaac up on the altar. God's told me to offer Isaac up on the altar. God's told me to offer Isaac up on the altar. God's told me to offer up Isaac on the altar. God told me I'm supposed to offer Isaac up on the altar. God told me I'm supposed to offer Isaac up on the altar. It would have changed nothing. He kept agreeing with what God said. He was saying what God said, but with the corresponding action of offering up Isaac, there was no justification for Abraham under the law. He had to follow through with what God told him to do before he earned his position. Now, praise the Lord, we're under the new covenant. Hallelujah. We're under the new covenant with whether you do or don't do, your righteousness is intact. You can listen to Pastor Jerry's sermon last week and get that, okay? But there has to be a channel through which your faith is made obvious through the actions that you do. Hallelujah. So we see then it says that Abraham was justified by doing that. And it says, do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works... Faith was made perfect. Faith is complete. Faith is entire. Faith is productive. Faith prevails. Faith wins. Faith receives. Faith accomplishes when there is a working together with the works that's required. Hallelujah. What happens is, we can get so stuck in agreement with the doctrine, but no active activation of that doctrine 
that uh, what happens is most believers know what's offered, but very few believers have what, it's, what is offered. They know what's available. There's total freedom, total health, total financial blessing, total prosperity in every area, total all this, total all that. Jesus bore it, whatever it is. But yet, here we are agreeing with that, but sitting here in still our dire straits. So there has to be an element where the faith is not complete or we wouldn't be lacking any anything in this place. So what we have to do is find the corresponding action to our faith to make it complete and perfect. All right. We can go on here and look at verse 26 again of James 2. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. How many of you know when your spirit leaves your body, your body's not going to do anything? Your body's not going to do anything. Hallelujah. It is not going to get up and brush its teeth. It's not going to go to the store. Your body's not going to do anything. Okay? But let's get this. If I don't have the corresponding action, my faith in God is doing nothing. Hallelujah. If we look back at Hebrews 11, I didn't give them this scripture, so they don't need to go there. But if you look back at Hebrews 11, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. So by faith, Abel did something. There is an action. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark. So what did Noah do? He built an ark. Built an ark. Noah built an ark. Now, let's think about this. Can I take this off? I have two shirts on over there. Sorry. Okay. Phew. All right. So Noah builds an ark. Now, what can happen is this. All right. You can say, God could say, there's a big rain coming. There's a flood coming. There's a big rain coming. If Noah wouldn't have built the ark, he would have died. Okay? It's no different than there's a healing for you, total health for your body. And if you do nothing, it doesn't make any difference. We have to start getting the fact that if I have faith toward God, there is something God needs me to do to bring that faith to full completion and accomplishment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The whole waiting on God, waiting on God for what? Waiting on God for a feeling? If Noah would have waited for a feeling, he wouldn't have started building till the first raindrop came. If he was waiting for a feeling, it wouldn't have happened till that moment. See, God gave him direction so that faith could be complete 
and he could receive the benefit of what his faith could produce. All right? And what happens is we wait for some sensation, and sometimes there will be no sensation. Hallelujah. You've got to take it. You've got to take it. Hallelujah. Do I need to take this off, Caleb? Okay. Praise the Lord. All right. So if your faith is going to be complete enough to overcome, there is something you have to be doing. There is something you have to be doing. Hallelujah. Now, you can ask yourself this right now. Am I just waiting for God to do something? Most of the church is waiting for God to do something. Let me say it again. Most of the church is waiting for God to do something. And God is waiting for the church to do something. Hallelujah. Go over, I don't know if this is Philippians chapter 4. You have to read the word and decipher whose move is that. You have to decipher in the word whose move is that. Okay, let's read this passage of scripture. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Next verse. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay, go back to verse 6 here. Be anxious for nothing. Whose move is that? Ours. Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Whose move is that? Ours. Next verse. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Whose move is that? It's God's move. So you can read the entire word of God and decide that's my move or that's God's move. Now, whose move came first? See, he says, don't be anxious, but pray with thanksgiving, and then I'll guard your heart. And we want to guard my heart so I don't feel any anxiety. Do you see what I'm, uh, do you understand what we're saying here? See, there's things in the word that are God's move, and there's things in the word that are your move. And what happens is, send me a feeling and I know I'll be healed. Send me a check and I'll know you provide. He said, nope, nope, nope. Seed time and harvest. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. See, faith without actions leaves God in a place that he can do nothing for you. Because he's put this in order you do, I'll do. You do, I'll do. You do, I'll do. You do, I'll do. Hallelujah. But most of the time, do this and then I will. You do this and then I will. You do this and I will. The big he did was Jesus at the cross. 
And everything following Jesus on the cross, the burial, and the resurrection now is capitalized on a people that do. Hallelujah. How many of us know Jesus wants everyone to be saved and go to heaven as eternity? But how many of us know he can't save everybody if they don't do what he's told them they have to do in order to receive that benefit? Right? It's the same thing with any other redemptive promise. You do, I'm there. You do, I got you. You do, it's here. But faith without works, faith that says, well, when this happens, when this happens, you're putting all the requirement of activity on God while you're waiting and nothing, let me ask you this, is anything changing? It is not changing. And sometimes we need to wake up and decide, you know, this really isn't changing. This isn't improving. And the word says the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter to a perfect day. So every day there should be something that is moving and changing to look better and better in your life. If not, you need to go back and say, Lord, what is my move here? What is my move here? What is it I'm supposed to be doing? Go to Mark 11, 22 and 23. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Whose move is that? That's our move. Okay, verse 23. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Okay, this is the faith scripture. So he says, you say, your move is say to the mountain. What do you say to the mountain? Tell it to get out of here. Be removed. Be cast in the sea. Okay, that's my move. And he says, and then do this. Don't doubt in your heart. Whose move is that? It's our move. And believe that what I said will come to pass. Whose move is that? Now, who makes it come to pass? He does. Hallelujah. It's that simple. We get busy trying to make things happen when we're not following the formula of whose move is it anyway. Whose move is it? Whose move is it? I'm supposed to say, I'm supposed to believe, and I am supposed to not doubt. Okay, I will say to this, I'll command it to be gone. I won't doubt and I'll believe. Now it's up to you, God, to do it. He said, perfect, I'll do it. It's that simple. It's that simple. Hallelujah. God wants to do. He wants to do. Okay, go to the next verse. Therefore, I say to you, whatever you ask when you pray, believe that you receive and you will have them. Hallelujah. You will take delivery of them. Believe you receive them and you will have them. Okay, go to the next. Did I give you the next verse? And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Whose move is that? That your Father in heaven may also forgive you. Whose move is that? That's his. See, he's asking, you forgive, I'll forgive. 
Hallelujah. Whose move is it? Whose move is it? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because God can't move out of the order that he prescribed in the word of God. He moves according to that order. Hallelujah. But he's, go back to, uh, let's see here. Go back to verse 23. All right. Be removed, be cast in the sea, does not down his heart, believes those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Next verse. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Believe that you receive them. That word receive is take. And this is the action that most, can I borrow your Bible? I'll give it back. Um, that's the action most of us don't do. This is Pastor Jerry's Bible, okay? This belongs to you. You can have this. You own this. This is a right and a privilege for this. So you can have this, receive this, and take. Right there is the action most people don't do. They don't do. God can all day say, this is available for you. This belongs to you. This is yours. You should have this. You can have this. This is completely, entirely yours. You can have this. Woohoo! Pastor Jerry preached it. It belongs to you. It's a benefit. It's a benefit. It's a benefit. But we never get up and go and take it and say, it is mine to have. It is mine to have. Nothing can take it because I have taken it. Hallelujah. And then we don't, we don't go after it. We wait. Okay, just stay there for a moment. <laughs> I will give it back to you. Can you feel this Bible where you're sitting? Not physically. You can't feel this. Does this mean he doesn't have it? He can't feel it, though. He can't feel it, though. When will he feel this Bible in his hands? Go ahead. <laughs> when he takes it, he feels it. When he takes it, he feels it. But until he takes it, he never feels it. So until you take it, your emotions don't change, your body doesn't feel it, your mind doesn't feel any different, you got to get up and take it and say, it belongs to me and that is mine. This is the kind of action our faith needs to have to be complete. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. If you find yourself consistently waiting on God and day after day after day is going by and nothing is changing, or maybe it's getting worse, you have to start realizing, I'm not taking. I'm not taking what's rightfully mine. I'm not taking it. I'm waiting for God to do something. There isn't anything God more can do other than the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Many times um, uh, we think we see a miracle and how great that miracle was. But we don't see the underworkings that was working to get that miracle. 
We don't see the days and the hours that they were before the Lord believing and taking. You know, Oral Roberts had some of the most phenomenal miracles in the healing tent. Um, and we, we can see um, videos of that, how great those miracles in the tent were. But what we don't realize is before you could get in the tent, you had to go to teaching all day long about the healing power of God. We think they just went in there and got a miracle. They couldn't even get a ticket to get in there to the miracle tent until they'd sat through the teaching and the preaching of the word. See, we see the miracle and think we can just bypass all the other things required and get the miracle. No, you don't know who's praying for you. You don't know what somebody is saying in the, in the, in the face of Jesus Christ concerning your life. You don't know what other works are going into play to get you to that miracle. But there comes a point in time you've got to take your miracle. You've got to take what belongs to you. Here's another scripture. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart. Train up a child. Whose part is that? And when he's old, he'll not depart. Whose part is that? It's God's. That's God's part to make sure they don't depart from it. The whole Bible is lined up with whose move is it? Whose move is it? Because if we keep thinking everything is God's move, we'll never receive the fullness of our faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we want God to get things to us. You know, it'd be borrowing your Bible again. I promise this time. Remember the time that I dumped it all over and got in trouble later? Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So this, this Bible belongs to him. And what we want God to do is here. <laughs> That's what we want God to do. And God says, here, it's available to you. It's available. Come get it. Come get it. Come get it. Remember last week when Pastor Jerry was talking about grace? Hallelujah. It's not any less free if you have to go and get it, right? Hallelujah. And it's like we want God to rain on us, but we don't want to have any drawing near to him. Hallelujah. And you can get stuck. You can get stuck, in, the, especially in a church like ours, you can get stuck in all the benefits and blessings of what God ought to do to the place where you hear the doctrine, but you're not actively doing anything. Hallelujah. Glory to God. With that said, I'm going to jump. I'm, I'm going to change a little bit of order here. Let's go over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to you, to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers uh, or the, you who practice lawlessness. In uh, Luke's account of it, he just says this, 
Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? And so we see here in this passage of Scripture that the criteria or the entrance to the kingdom of heaven, God's way of doing things, living God's way, having days of heaven on earth is done by doing the will of the Father. Doing the will of the Father. And he says, many say to me, Lord, Lord. What's the word Lord mean? Boss. Hey, boss. Hallelujah. Jesus is saying everyone dealing with them personally and what they're trying to do is hide in a crowd. He said everyone, meaning I'm dealing with them individually, but they're coming back with saying, did we not? Didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? So Jesus deals with what you do personally not corporately for your life, all right? For instance, let me just say it this way. The whole church can be doing right things, but you can sit in the middle of it and be disobedient. Hallelujah. And then when you go before the Lord and he said, you didn't do anything I asked you to do. He said, yes, we did. We cast out devils. And it's not that he said, you didn't have any association with those people. But he said, I never knew you. Meaning, I was not aware of you there. I, I didn't see you there. I didn't know you there. But most importantly, that word knew means I wasn't able to speak into you. You called me a boss. You called me Lord. But I wasn't able to speak to you specific direction for your life. You had a general doctrine. You knew what was expected. But when it came to your life, I couldn't personally say to you instruction for you. Instead, you just hid in what the doctrine was. Instead, you just hid in what everyone else was doing. But I wasn't your Lord because I couldn't tell you specifically what to do and get you to do it. See, in the Word of God, there's two things. There's the general instructions, and then there's personal instruction. Okay? The general instruction. We all know general instructions. Read the Word. Pray. Go to church. Study. Worship. Give thanks. General instructions. The instructions in here that are right for every person that are right for every person. There, you know, I don't care who you are, giving God thanks is a mandate, right? It doesn't matter who you are, spending time in the presence of God in prayer is a good thing, right? All right? And so he's saying there is you've got to practice the general instructions so you can hear the personal instruction. Because if you don't obey the general instruction, you can be misled by personal instruction. Hallelujah. And it's the personal instruction most of us want. Hallelujah. And that's where the grace of God comes in. Because what happens is when I say your faith without works is dead, you start thinking of what you should do. Well, maybe instead I should sell my car or maybe we should move, or maybe we should do that. 
That isn't going to work. You have to start with the general instructions where the grace of God is at because any action that's not done out of grace is a failed action. It's a futile action. Okay? What is the grace of God? Remember, it's a divine influence on the heart and it's reflection in the life. So you can say it this way. Grace is the divine leading and empowerment to receive what God has promised. That's what grace is. It's a divine leading and empowerment to get what God has said. Hallelujah. And without grace, we can be misled or deceived. Hallelujah. I got to read something that the Spirit of the Lord gave me this week. Let's see if I can find it. If you want something badly enough, you will press until you eventually hear God consent. It's not that he consented, but you heard him consent. See, we can press because we can get activity, movement inside of us, but we're not listening to the general orders that say, don't do that, spend time with me. We want God to give us something spectacular to do instead of something supernatural to do. And what happens is we think he should tell us spectacular things when all along God's saying, just pray every day for 10 minutes. It will produce supernatural. Well, I want spectacular. No, you need supernatural. I want spectacular. I want him to say, go to the Rite Aid store. Wait 10 minutes in the parking lot. Someone will come there and give you $300,000. <laughs> It's a cool thought. But the problem is, if you haven't got a routine of hearing God, you will go to the parking lot and nothing happens. And then, God, why'd you do that? I wasn't there. You, you don't even know my voice well enough because you haven't spent enough time in this and you haven't spent enough time worshiping and honoring me. That, that wasn't even my voice. That was a desire that you had within your heart coming up in your own ears to deceive you, mislead you, and make God look bad. Hallelujah. See, it's the general orders. How many of you know there's probably something in here that's good for everyone to do that you're not yet doing? See, we got to get these general orders down before we start craving those personal orders. And what happens is we find ourselves in a pickle and all we want is those personal orders. Okay? But it says, do not forsake the assembling of yourself together. Well, I don't have to go to the church right now because um, I have something else I want to do. But the general order says this, and if I know that general order is there, and I don't do it, my faith is dead. My faith is dead. Isn't that what it said? Faith without works is dead. It's useless. And then what happens is, then we get condemned. I should have. Why didn't I? Oh, I knew better. Why didn't I? And all along, God is looking for a way to connect with you to get everything he has in here to you. You know, things don't war against us until it's not what we want. 
You know, on the day that you want to go to church and you read that scripture, you think, praise the Lord. Yes, I'm going to church today. But the next week when you want to go to the lake, you read that, it's like, oh, yuck. I had to go to church. See, it's all monitored by our desires. It's our desires. And when you find yourself not wanting to do something in here, then what you have to do is get before the face of the Lord where the grace empowers you to do what's right even though it's not what you wanted. Now, Jesus was our example of that. Remember him in the garden? He sat in the garden and sweat drops of blood because it's not what he wanted, but he said, nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. Now, if he wouldn't have gone to the cross, we'd all be in a real jam right now, okay? So we're glad he yielded. And even though it was horrible, it was treacherous, it was painful, it was awful, his yielding to what was his move caused it to be that God could move on behalf of all of us. Hallelujah. It was his move. And it's not just, I've decided what my move is going to be. No, you've got to get before God in the spirit of grace and hear, what is my next move? Because then he's got 66 books to direct you to to show you what your move is. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's go over to James chapter 1. We'll go back to Matthew in just a moment. James chapter 1, verse 22. It says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You know, there's no deception that's as dangerous to you as a Christian as self-deception. Because when you're in self-deception, you don't know you're in self-deception. Hence, the word self-deceive. <laughs> okay? And, you know, the other thing that's horrible about self-deception is you're the only one deceived. Everyone else around you can see clearly. Hallelujah. For anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. See, you look, you saw it, I can have it, I can be it, I can do it, I can say it, I can receive it. Then you get over here. What was it again? I know God said something was personally for me. Something in this word. So you forget. And once you lose your identity, you cannot overcome. Because your identity is what causes you to overcome. Hallelujah. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, it is not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he, in what he hears, what he does. See, the blessing is on what you do. And waiting always on the Lord is not what you are to do. You are to take it. You are to obey what he says. You've got to have some movement and motion in you. You've got to do it. All right? Now, um, do you have that in the Amplified? Did you get that? Okay, let's go back to verse 22. Be doers of the word. Obey the message and not merely listeners to it, betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. 
Now, this is where real damage can happen because what happens? We start reasoning. We start reasoning. The Word of God says you're supposed to spend time with Him daily, you know, those who rise up early. And all these kind of blessings are going to happen to you. All these kind of great things are going to happen. And so we see that in the general order, but then we get to reasoning. Well, when God said that, he didn't know I had 26 kids and I have to go to work at 7 a.m. And see, we start reasoning to where we've deceived ourselves and betrayed that the general marching orders don't apply to me. And faith without obedience to those general orders is non-productive. You know what you're supposed to be doing. You would just like God to intervene and do it all. And that's not the way it works. It's your move. It's your move. There's an influence on you even right now of something you know you should do. And if it's fear, you cast that down. Hallelujah. You get rid of all that turbulence and that torment because most of it comes from it's not something I want to do. It's something I ought to do. Hallelujah. What's Nike say? I'm thinking they stole that out of James chapter 1. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we have to, we have to exercise ourselves to doing it and not reasoning because you can reason two ways. You can reason away the direction of the Lord, and you can reason in your selfish ambition. You can reason in your ambition. And when the natural things begin to weigh in on you, then the reasoning conforms to your desire and not the word. Not the word. You need the word to be the standard for what you do. Hallelujah. Delayed obedience is disobedience because timing is everything in the spirit. I was going to give you that. All right, Matthew chapter 7. Let's go back and look at the rest of this in chapter Matthew. In Matthew. I heard him. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So the wise guy is the one that hears and does. The wise one is the one that hears and does. In Luke's account of Luke chapter 6, he says, dug deep and laid the foundation. All right? And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So we have two men, a, a smart one and a not-so-smart one, okay? And one has dug down deep and found a rock to put his foundation on. The other one finds sand and puts his house on the sand. The unfortunate thing about sand is it shifts 
It moves and it changes. In um, uh, desert places where there's a lot of sand, they warn you about charting your course according to the dunes and such because they change every day. The wind comes up, the sand dune that was here is now over here, all right? It changes and shifts all the time. So what we have to understand is sand shifts and changes. And if you built your house on the sand, it will cause that house to eventually come down because it's going to shift and change. You built your life on something that is not founded on the word, it will shift and change. And notice that both of the both individuals built a house. The houses could have even looked identical. The only thing deeper different is what they were built on. And the foundation laying was not according to what they heard, but the foundation laying was according to what they did. The foundation of your doctrine is not according to the doctrine that you've heard, but it's according to the doctrine you do. The foundation of your spiritual life cannot be measured by what you've heard. It's measured by what you do. What you do determines your foundation, not what you hear. Hallelujah. Faith without works is dead. Hallelujah. It's according to what you do. And they had the same storms, the same exact storms. Rain descends, floods come, winds blow, beat on that house, and one falls and the other doesn't. And the only difference between the two is what one was doing and what was one was not doing. Same storm. Same storm. We can be in here in this room today, and we all hear the same word. And some go out and put it to practice, spend time for the grace of God, spend time giving God thanks, spend time whatever the general orders of the day are for you, and do that. And the same catastrophe can come against the two different people, and one prevail and one get taken under. Some are healed, some are not. And we want to look at God as to why and how come. See, it's not the doctrine that makes you well. It's not the doctrine that makes you free. It's not the doctrine that causes you to be blessed. It's what you do with that doctrine. It's what you do with it. It's what you do with it that will cause it to be well. Because otherwise, you'll sit and wait for a sensation from heaven. And God says, it's not my move. I've provided it all. It's your move. It's your move. Now what? It's your move. Well, I just don't know if I can. It's your move. And if you spend time in the grace of God, you will know exactly how to move because I will empower you to move. And when it comes down to it, I'm the one that moves within you. But it's your move. It's your move. And when a result doesn't come as seen in this word, we have to go back and say, 
they miss their move. They miss their turn. They miss the opportunity. Many times I've prayed for people, and I'm sure others here have prayed for people and known it is available, ready, and right here. But they miss their move of taking it. They miss their move of taking it. Instead, they've, they've come to the place of waiting for something. What are you waiting for? Something. What, what, what does something look like, feel like, or sound like? I don't know. I'll just know it when it happens. Take it. Take it. Rise up and just take it. Take it. Because if you don't take it, faith isn't going to do you any good. Hallelujah. Faith without works is dead. And what we have to do is understand there's general instruction and you need personal instruction. And it's the grace of God that gives you that personal instruction. Because the storms are going to come. And God wants to be able to know, I could speak into you. You did exactly what I asked you to do. And because you did exactly what I asked you to do, a lot of things are um, ideas. God gives us all ideas. He gives us inventions. He gives us thoughts. He gives us all these things. And we put them on a shelf waiting for God to do something. God says, no, hold that before me. And every day I will give you instruction regarding it. I'll give you the full plan, but if I give you the full plan because you know you're supposed to be doing something, you'll try to do it all in your own strength. So I give it to you a piece at a time. But just be obedient to each little piece, and before you know it, in a few years down the road, we'll find out you overcame. Here's the whole, here's the whole enchilada. Is that a bad word to use? Here's the whole thing. But take a piece and do it. Take a piece and do it. Take a piece and do it. And don't get your activities out of your own head. Because you can be self-deceived. Don't get what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to sell everything and move to Africa. Not if God didn't tell you to. Because you'll be back here and we'll have to believe God to get you healed from malaria. Okay? See, do what God has told you to do. Do what God has called you to do. Because what you do works with your faith to get you a full result. Do it. Take what belongs to you. Receive it. And as you read the word, especially in the new covenant, because there's, there's three entities that have moves in the word of God. There's God. There's you. And there's the devil. But because in the old covenant, they weren't aware of the enemy. He's only mentioned in Job and Genesis. They figured God was responsible for everything bad that happened. So I recommend you go to the new covenant and you begin to dissect it according to whose move is that? Whose move is that? Because when he says, cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. See how much stress is eliminated? The only part I have to do is cast on my cares on him. And the part about caring for me, that's his move. So I cast on my cares, that's my move. 
He cares for me. That's his move. So I'm carefree. Amen? See, you need to start reading the word according to whose move is it. But it doesn't say, I'll care for you, so then cast all your cares. Cast all your cares? Because I'm going to care for you. Whose move is it? And we need to begin to read the word and decipher whose move is this. Amen? Hallelujah. Did you get something today? Hallelujah. So it's your faith in God with your works that will produce. It will produce. Let's all stand to our feet and pray. Hallelujah. Sometimes the reason we don't get a new direction on a personal level is because either we didn't do the last direction he gave us or we're not following the general directions that he's giving us. Okay? So we have to, we have to understand that God does spectacular things because he's an enormous God. But he's so enormous that he can take care of the finite detail. Okay? And because of that, um, we need to be able to follow his direction, whether it's uncomfortable or not, knowing that in the end, it will make us stronger, better, and wiser with a house on the rock. Amen? Praise the Lord. Father, we're grateful that your word prompts us and gives us instruction and wisdom. We thank you, Father, that you promise as we draw to you, you draw to us. So, Father, I thank you for the anointing of God upon this people to draw closer to you and to do everything they know they need to do in you. Father, wash away every disobedience. Wash away every presumed activity. Wash away every self-directed. But Father, we ask you for a way to work this word that makes it come to pass. Father, help us to understand and decide whose move is it. Give us the wisdom of the Spirit so that we can build on the rock and we thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah.